0: Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity just to come before you, this opportunity to worship you as a fellowship. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would just bless this time, that your Holy Spirit would anoint this time, Lord, because we just commission this time to you, Lord. We give it to you, and we just ask, Lord, that you would just pour out your spirit upon this place, and this message would go out. I believe this is an important message today, Lord. So I pray, Lord, that we would hear from you. This would resonate in our hearts and our minds, Lord, that we wouldn't cover our ears. We wouldn't have any distractions. But, Lord, we would hear from you today through your Holy Spirit, Lord. So, Lord, I pray, Lord. I just pray for your presence. I pray for your just your outpouring through this message, Lord. And all God's people said, Amen. So if you've got your Bibles, you want to open up to Acts. Everybody got your Bibles? I see a few people there. Open up to Acts. We're going to be we're going to do a quick review through chapter six. Acts chapter six. So today will be part three of the story of Stephen, a testament of a man who stood faithfully even as he faced death. So open up your Bibles again. Acts chapter six. Everybody got your Bibles open? I hear some page flipping still. So a few weeks ago, three, or four weeks ago, we started this series of standing faithfully in Acts chapter 6. In the first 16 verses, Acts chapter 6, 1 through 16, Stephen had shared the truth of God. Stephen had then rebuked these religious leaders, telling them that Jesus was the Messiah. And also he taught them that faith alone is how one is saved. And they need to hear that. Then we continued, if you look at verses 17 through 39 in your Bibles, we can. he continued to preach, Stephen, to these religious leaders, and he was preaching, but as he's preaching, he painted a beautiful picture of Jesus through using the story of Moses, as most of you would remember that. And we saw, as Stephen shared about God's promises, his promise to save the Israelites from the Egyptian to the, the revealing of Moses, the one that would Free them from slavery. We saw this picture of Jesus all the way up to when the people rejected the one had, who God had sent to save them. Remember that picture. And then in verses thirty-nine through forty-three in chapter six, I am sorry, chapter seven. We're going. We cover some serious scripture here. We see that this this message was so clear as Stephen preached. The Jewish people had rejected not just Moses, who was sent by God. But now, they'd actually rejected the law itself, the promises of God. These people's hearts, they were hardened, right? They are hardened to the messenger and the message that God had sent. They had refused this message and the messenger time and time and time again, and then also persecuted the messenger. Today, we're going to be in Acts chapter 7. And we're going to start in verse 44. So you can turn there. It was just a quick, quick review of part one and part two. So Stephen, he has addressed these religious people with the truth of God. We saw that. We saw he addressed these people with the truth of what faith was. It was through Jesus Christ alone. And then he addressed them with the truth of the law, the law what the law truly was. And then he's continuing today to teach some truths about the temple. Very interesting. Before we get going, I have a question for you. I always have questions, right? What does it mean for you personally today to stand faithfully in the world that you live in? What does it mean for you today to stand faithfully in the world that you live in? Think about this. Question that I asked as we go through the sermon today What example My next question What example will Stephen give us And what example did Jesus give us Of what it means to be standing faithfully Think about these questions Now a fourth question Why Why do we need to be standing Faithfully What are we standing for What was Stephen, Stephen Standing for In the Think about this. If you were being attacked like Stephen was, what would be the results of your faith? Think about all these questions and let's begin our study in verse 44. We're going to look at 44 through 50. Our ancestors carried carried the tabernacle with them through the wilderness. It was constructed according to the plan that God had shown to Moses. Years later, when Joshua led our ancestors in battle against the nations that drove out of this land, the tabernacle was taken with them into their new territory. And it stayed there until the time of King David. David found favor with God and asked for the privilege of building a permanent temple for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who actually built it. However, the Most High doesn't live in temples made by human hands, as the prophet says. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Could you build me a temple as good as that, asked the Lord. Could you build me such a resting place? Didn't my hands make both heaven and earth? So as we read this, where does God reside? How would you answer that? Think about this question. We've read here that God was very specific on how to build this tabernacle, how to build the temple. And He was very specific who would build each of them. There's qualifications, Right. These Both of these, the temple, what it was, it was a, a picture or a representation or a model of the holies of holies in heaven. This is where God's very presence in heaven is surrounded by angels. So God had provided a place for the people to meet. We see this. To offer sacrifice, to have fellowship, and really to worship him. We know that God's presence dwelt there, but it wasn't just limited to this place, this thing that was built. These places, these things were given to the people as a blessing to give them a place to go to worship. I want you to take a minute. I want you to turn to Hebrew. Hebrews 8, 5. Hebrews 8, 5. Is everyone there? Give you a second to get there. Hebrews 8, verse 5. In verse 5, they serve in a system of worship that is only a copy, a shadow of the real one in heaven. So, if you wonder where I got what, I, how I described the temple, there's where it comes from, from the Bible. Solomon knew, in his wisdom that he had, that God was not confined to a place or a building or something. And we're going to look at another scripture, Second Chronicles, a little harder to find maybe. Second Chronicles, turn there, chapter six, verse eighteen. Give you a second to get there. This is Solomon, but well, God. Really live on earth among people? Why, even the highest heavens cannot contain you. How much less this temple I have built. God's presence is everywhere. We know this. That said, God's presence was in the temple. That's still true. Which provided a place for the people to come and fellowship and worship as a body together. Our God is creator of all known and unknown things to exist. He isn't confined to something that we could build with our hands. That really wouldn't be God, would it? If you could confine God to something we make with our hands. He is presence everywhere and at all times. His his presence surrounds each of us, no matter the time or where we're at. When you think of the temple, maybe it's hard for some of us, but not. Today we have churches, right? We don't have... Most of us, we don't go to temples. We have churches. And we gather in a church, typically on Sundays. And we come together and we worship and we study God's word. And God's presence is here. It's in the church. It's true. We don't need to come to a building, though, to experience God's presence. But we are commanded to gather and worship together. So I hope you can see the difference. It's true. God's presence is everywhere. And we can experience God and worship God in anything that we're ever doing, in any place. But that doesn't excuse fellowship. We are commanded to fellowship with other believers. Our church should be a place to come, a time to set aside time during the week to come and worship God. Sunday, again, is not the only time we should be reading our Bibles. It's not the only time we should be worshiping God. But it is a special time that we can come together as a community to worship. Because it is different between worshiping God by yourself in your house or your drive and then coming together as a community with your fellow brothers and sisters and worshiping It's a difference. It's different. So we know God's presence is with us, and we should be worshiping every day, all day, no matter where we're at. We know that. We're going to look at a lot of scriptures today. Now I want you to turn clear to Acts all the way back. Acts chapter 2. Still, we're going to be looking at a lot of scriptures today. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, we studied this just uh, not so many weeks ago, verse 42, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's supper and to prayer. Again, we see we are, if we are believers, we are commanded to fellowship. Are you obedient? That's what I'm asking everyone out there. Everyone that's here, everyone that's online, that's on Facebook. Are you obedient to God's word? You have to answer the question between you and God. Are you obedient? Do you believe this is God's word? The inherent word of God? Do you follow it? Are you obedient? I don't read any passages that I've read in my Bible that gives any exceptions not to worship as a community. I don't, say, I, I don't know any verses that say, oh, this is going on in the world. Don't come to church. I don't read any verses like that ever in the Bible that gives any excuse for not coming to fellowship with other believers. In fact, it commands us during all forms of persecution to gather as a body. Let's continue in verse, back in Acts, chapter 7, verse 51 through 53. After I just said that, you ready? You stubborn people, you are heathen at heart and death to the truth. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That's what your ancestors did, and so do you. Uh, We're going to go through 53. 52. Name one prophet your ancestors didn't persecute. They even killed the ones who predicted the coming of the righteous one, the Messiah who you betrayed and murdered. You deliberately disobeyed God's law, even though you received it from the hands of angels. These religious leaders, these people, they refused to hear the message. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit had brought them the truth of who Jesus Christ was, but their, their hearts were hardened. They couldn't, they didn't hear it. They refused the message. So they continued to live in fear just as their ancestors. In fact, it was more than that. In fact, they persecuted all those that were sent by God to bring this message, the good news to them. Stephen, he challenges them. He says, name even one messenger that God has sent that you didn't persecute. Name one how many they've sought in half, how many they've killed, how many they've crucified. These very people, the very ones that Stephen was talking about too, were the ones that killed John the Baptist. The very people that Stephen was talking to are the ones that crucified Jesus the Christ. These very ones he was speaking to were the ones that would stone Stephen, the first martyr. These people had disobeyed the very law that had been given to them because of their fear of the world. And yet, here was Stephen in the midst of all of this. A man full of the Holy Spirit, preaching the gospel, looking towards Jesus, not even fear in death itself. I said we'd be in a lot of scriptures. Turn to Matthew, Matthew chapter 12, verse 30. Anyone who isn't with me opposes me, and anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. As we read this story here in Acts, we see the religious leaders, and we see Stephen. We see people full of anger and fear. Then we see Stephen, a man full of the Holy Spirit and full of faith. Who are you in this story? Are you the person that's full of fear? Or are you the person that's full of faith? Who are you? Are you disobeying God's word like these religious leaders? Trying to silence the message that we are to be obedient to God's word? Are you a, or are you a person full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit? Obediently standing there faithfully as Stephen did preaching the word of God. Nothing, nothing of this world was going to prevent Stephen... From sharing Jesus and being obedient to God's word. There's nothing in this world that's going to prevent him from that. He was full of the Holy Spirit. And he was going to preach Jesus. What about you? What about you today? Are you obedient to God's word? Are you obedient to the word? Or what's your excuse? Because I see so many people, I'm I'm obedient. But then they come up with these excuses. They have all these different excuses. What is your response? Are you one that has fear or faith? I, I don't see a middle ground. I just don't see a middle ground. Let's lead, let's continue to read and let's see what the way that a hypocrite would respond to this. Verse fifty four. The Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation, and they shook their fist at him in rage, anger, a fit of rage. The Holy Spirit has convicted these men through the preaching of Stephen. Now, many of us have, we've experienced this through a word, right? Through a sermon, through a message. The Holy Spirit will convict us of a certain sin, perhaps, in our life. Or maybe we're going a wrong path a wrong direction. And the Holy Spirit will use a lot of different means to convict us. If it's a sermon, or if it's God's word, or a fellow brother or sister in Christ, or uh, maybe even just speaking to us, right? But the Holy Spirit will convict us. Many of us, I hope all of us experienced that conviction of the Holy Spirit at some point in our life. If you're saved, you've experienced it because it's the Holy Spirit who calls you to Christ and calls you to repentance, right? That's a messenger. So what is your reaction to the Holy Spirit when he convicts you of things in your life? Anger or repentance? That's the two things we see here. That's it. Do you get angry when you're convicted or do you humbly repent of your sin? The believer's reaction obviously should be to repent of whatever sin that we're being convicted of and turn to Jesus. Unfortunately, more often the reaction is, just as these religious leaders, is anger. And to silence the message, the messenger and the message. Even here to the point of rage. Even a believer, myself, myself included, I can react wrongly to conviction. I will fully admit it. I was talking to Christian about it earlier in this story, but also just in in life. We see very commonly, we only see the two reactions when the Holy Spirit is convicting a person. We see either repentance or anger. You usually don't see much else. I mean, it's possible. Sure it is. But me as a believer, I will tell you most often than not, my hope is that I would repent and fall on my face before Jesus. But I'm going to tell you, it doesn't always work that way, even as a believer. Very often, I judge that person. Who are you to speak to me? You wasn't invited to speak to my life. You ever done that? I've done that. And God is maybe using that person through the Holy Spirit to speak something into my life. Not always, but a lot of times. I'm guilty, but usually I will step back. And I'll remember, and this is our reminder, to step back and look at this conviction or how we're being confronted. What is this person's heart in confronting us? Are we being confronted about a sin? We need to repent then. We need to fall on our faces and look towards Jesus and accept that. It can be hard. It's really hard sometimes, isn't it? It's really hard to accept that from a person sometimes. When a, when God uses, when he uses scripture, that's not so bad, right? You read that, you're like, ah, I really need to stop that behavior. I need to repent of that behavior. But when he uses people, that's hard sometimes. It's really hard. And, uh, you know, when he uses a person to rebuke me, it's so easy just to become angry instead of accepting that the Holy Spirit is using that person to sanctify us, to draw us to repentance, can we all remember this as we go out in the world that sometimes God will use people to convict us? Now there is sometimes that people are not, it's not always, doesn't always ring true, but usually you can tell when it's the Holy Spirit. We know. We know in our hearts. God gives us that ability through the Holy Spirit residing in us. Chuck Smith said it this way. See what you think here. True spirit filled preaching always brings strong conviction, but it's what people do with that conviction by the Holy Spirit that is most telling. I want to read that again. True spirit-filled preaching always brings strong conviction. But it's what people do with the conviction by the Holy Spirit that is most telling. It's a big lesson in this. Big lesson. Let's continue. Let's look at the next few verses. 55, back in Acts chapter 7, 55 and 56. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, Look, I see the heavens opened and the son of man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Stephen has had a revelation and it's amazing. There's, as you think about this revelation, there's two things going on in this story, right? First, you got the world around Stephen. Anger, fist shaking. These people, they're going to stone him. The world is there. There's two things. That's the first one. What's the second one? You got Stephen. Inside of this world... As they're screaming and yelling in fits of rage, there's Stephen. He's not concerned about this, is he? He's, he's enduring their angers, but his focus is faith, standing faithfully looking towards Jesus. During all of this craziness, he knew he was going to be killed. I mean, there's no doubt. He knew he was going to die a horrific death. And his focus was to remain faithful and look towards Jesus. He wasn't worried about these stones. I find it just amazing. The world was seeking to kill him. Yet Stephen had peace and was full of the Holy Spirit, looking to heaven, seeing Jesus. What a picture for all of us today as we face this crazy world. Stephen was allowed to see into heaven and saw Jesus at the right hand of God. It's amazing. I see such a lesson. It's this whole world around us that we live in, it's gone crazy. I don't care where you're at, if you're Myanmar in the U.S. or other countries, our world has just gone crazy this last year, and it's getting worse. Anyone that... getting worse. It's getting worse. But are we full of the Holy Spirit as the world has gone crazy around us and looking towards Jesus and the promises that he's given each one of us? Is that our focus? Are we worried about the world and all the things around us? Stephen clearly focus was on Jesus and sharing the gospel, even as he's being stoned. Let's continue. Let's read what's going to happen to Stephen. We know, but let's read 57 through 60. They put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge him with this sin. And with that, he died. Stephen is stoned. The, these people, they refused to listen to the message that the Holy Spirit was delivering through Stephen. They refused. Their hearts were hardened. They, they were so hardened that they covered their ears to prevent their minds, their hearts from hearing it. Can, do you see such a picture? They didn't even want to hear it, that they covered their ears. As, and then they began to shout loudly to overcome the message that Stephen was preaching. Then they decided to silence the message, the messenger. They wanted to silence him. They stoned the messenger. They stopped the truth from being preached from Stephen. They refused to hear the good news about Jesus Christ. Turn to Matthew, back, chapter 12, 31. Matthew 12:31. I found this verse to be important and just so relevant to our message today. They refused the messenger. That's what these people did. They refused the message. They refused the Holy Spirit bringing the message of Jesus Christ to them. Matthew 12:31. So I tell you, every sin and blasphemy can can be forgiven, except blaspheming against the Holy Spirit, which will never be forgiven. The only unpardonable sin, refusing the message of Jesus Christ that the Holy Spirit brings. It's interesting, just as today is the world we live in, when the Holy Spirit convicts someone of their sin, so often people just refuse to hear that truth. And they just... Do they usually just turn away and go about their lives? Is that how people react to the message typically? When you share the gospel... Or I should say when the Holy Spirit convicts a sinner of, its, of that person's sin... Do they t- typically just turn their head and go the other way and not worry about it? It's not typically the reaction, is it? I think so often as we've seen today that... When people are convicted of their sin by the Holy Spirit... They react in anger. As you could read in the New King James... As the message was delivered by the Holy Spirit through Stephen, it says that the message cut to the heart. You it says? Cut to the heart. This was conviction from the Holy Spirit. It cut to their heart. I believe these people heard the truth in some which way. It cut to their heart. They knew in some which way, but they refused. They refused the message and the messenger. When the Holy Spirit speaks to a person and they are convicted, they either respond in repentance or anger. These people didn't want to hear the truth. They didn't want to be faced with the truth. So they did everything possible to silence the message. And the same thing happens to us today, doesn't it? It still happens today. They closed their ears. They started screaming in anger. They attacked the messenger. This still happens today. They didn't want to hear that they were sinners. And they were in need of a savior. And that savior is Jesus Christ. They wanted to be their own God. They And this they they wanted to prevent anyone else also from hearing this message. Look at look back at these verses. What did Stephen do though as they attacked him, as they stoned him, what did Stephen do? He prayed as he's being stoned to death. This is the example that Jesus has given him, isn't it? Isn't that what Jesus did on the cross? Jesus prayed that God would have mercy on these people. This is our example obviously to follow. I'm not sure about you guys, but I need to be reminded of this. Because I've had a lot of rocks thrown at me, especially lately. Maybe they weren't physical stones, but I've had a lot of rocks thrown at me. And I need to be reminded. I I struggle sometimes praying correctly for the world around me as it becomes more evil. I struggle praying correctly as Jesus has shown us, as Stephen has shown us, how to pray for these people that are throwing rocks at us. Because if you are a Christian, you're going to have rocks thrown at you in some form or another. I'm repenting right now. I am I have not been praying for God's mercy and grace to be poured out on some of these people that have been throwing rocks at me. I, I prayed for repentance. That's not what the example is. That's not my job, is it? That's the Holy Spirit's job. My job is to pray as Jesus prayed and as Stephen prayed that God would pour out his mercy and grace upon these people. I need to have the same heart as Jesus and Stephen. I will admit, it's impossible. I can't have that without the Holy Spirit working in me. I can't do it. My flesh will react in anger every time. But then the Holy Spirit will get a hold of me and He changes my heart. So in these passages we learn about Stephen, the first martyr. He gave his life to share the gospel. And there's many lessons we can learn out of these passages. The main one I see is that we are to stand faithfully even as we face the world around us. Even as the world throws rocks at us with bad intentions. Now, as we continue, we're introduced to Saul in verse 59. A new person comes into the picture. We read of this man who kept or held the coats of those that stoned Stephen. These people, can you, I mean, picture this in your mind. They're all gathered around. They all got their jackets on. Stephen's like, here, hand me your coat so you can, hand me your coat. Think about this. These people that were stoning Stephen took the time to take off their coats. They took them off so they could throw harder. I mean, you think, but you had a big jacket on, you're trying to throw a big rock. You want? I mean, if I had a jacket on, that's the first thing you're going to do, right? I mean, it just makes sense. You're going to take it off. Then you're going to grab that rock so you can throw it as hard as you can. They didn't want to be restricted by their outer clothing. And as this has taken place, Saul is there offering, encouraging them to remove their clothing so they can throw the stones even harder at Stephen. Saul is not only endorsing this stoning, but he's encouraging it. This hatred, it's building. And we're going to read more about it in the next many weeks as the persecution begins. But as I think about this, the story about Saul, which we know as Paul, as he, you know, Luke, as this is written here, I, I'm sure that Paul knew this was written about him. He allowed it. I'm sure. I mean, maybe he could have said something. I don't know. I mean, could you imagine someone writing a story about you as a Christian and putting in the story your testimony—the dirtiest, nastiest, worst thing you've ever done in your entire life—out there? How would you would you want that? I wouldn't want it. I would not. But that's what he's done here. He's put, one of the nastiest things that he had ever done, he puts it right there and he says who he is. That he endorsed the killing of Christians. There's so much hatred beginning now here in Saul's heart for the Christians as he's just a zealot. It. It's interesting how we were talking that we can experience this kind of anger in our world today for, from people. From people that's rejected God. That from people that the Holy Spirit has brought conviction on. The anger that comes forth, they either anger comes out or repentance. Just this last week I experienced this kind of anger from a person. They I don't know what's going on exactly with this person, but I know this that they've walked away from their faith. I know that the Lord has convicted that person and they have not repented. In fact, they've reacted in anger. And it's interesting whenever They see a person they know that would bring conviction, anger is going to come forth. And when I walked in there, I got accused of things that I'd never even heard of. And they just started yelling at me and just throwing accusations after accusation after accusations. And it was so outlandish and it was just crazy talk. It was like insane person screaming at me. Didn't even make sense. But the anger was so thick and so bad, I could feel it in the air. How do you respond to this? I mean, here Stephen's getting rocks thrown at him. He's getting this kind of... This is the stuff that Stephen was dealing with. I wasn't getting physical rocks, but I was getting words, accusations thrown at me. I mean, it was just pouring out on me. just like It was just Satan. I mean, every accusations he could even think of, just just anger and fits of rage. It's what it was. How do you react to a person like this in our world? Because we as Christians will face it. A person so full of hate and rage just because I have placed my faith in Jesus Christ. I, I pray when I'm in this. I pray for the Holy Spirit to do what I can't do. I, I just need to continue, as Stephen did, just to look towards Jesus and pray for the Holy Spirit. Jesus and Stephen, he left these men to God. He didn't convict them. He left them men to God. He prayed for God's grace and mercy to be poured out on these people. This is hard to do by, while you're being attacked, isn't it? It's hard to do when you're being attacked for your faith. But God can do, the Holy Spirit can do for us what we can't do. We can have the heart of Christ in us. We can have the same heart that Jesus had. Let's finish up with the three more verses. We're going to just begin chapter 8 because it kind of ties together. Chapter 8, verse 1. Saul was one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And all the believers, except the apostles, were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning. But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. So we know Saul, he was in complete agreement of the stoning. Then he goes and he persecutes the church. We're not going to, that's a different message altogether. But it so it begins. I do find the wording interesting as you look at this. As I, I spoke earlier, the passage says that Saul agreed completely, agreed completely why is that in there like that? Because I think we see we see the redemption of Saul later. I want to read a couple more pa- passages as we, we continue. Turn to Acts 26, 10, and 11. This is Paul talking now. Indeed, I did just that in Jerusalem. Authorized by the leading priest, I caused many believers there to be sent to prison, and I cast my vote against them when they were condemned to death. Many times I had them punished in the synagogues, to get them to curse Jesus. I was so violently opposed to them. I even chased them down in foreign cities. We're going to see a redemption story. But I want you to realize this is Paul sharing his testimony of how sinful he was. A lot of questions I asked today, if you remember at the first part of the message. It was like five or six questions I asked. And I pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to you and apply some part of this message to your life. That you'd be able to answer these questions. The main question I ask is, are you standing faithfully and being obedient to God's word? Can you answer that honestly? Are you standing faithfully and being obedient to God's word? Or are you reacting to the Holy Spirit's conviction with excuses and anger? Pretty much either way. I'm going to close with a passage. I don't have a big closing. I just hope the Holy Spirit would speak to you. And speak something into your life, but I do want to close with Matthew chapter 10, verses 16 through 19. As we talk today about the stones being thrown at us, as we go out and we stand faithfully in this fallen world, and the world is just going crazy around us, we knew this was going to happen. This isn't a surprise. Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. Look, I am sending you out as sheep among wolves, so be as shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves, but beware, for you will be handed over to the courts and you will be flogged with the whips in the synagogues. You will stand trial before the governors and kings because you are my followers. But this will be your opportunity to tell the rulers and other unbelievers about me. When you are arrested, don't worry about how to respond or what to say. God will give you the right words at the right time. For it is not you who will be speaking, but it will be the spirit of your Father speaking through you. That's our hope. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this message. As I read this, Lord, and I just see the world we live in as the time is drawing nearer and nearer. Lord, I know that's a cliche in sorts, but Lord, we are seeing things happen around us that we've never experienced before. Lord, I pray, Lord, as Christians, that we would stand faithfully. No matter what is going on in the world around us, we would not forsake your commandments through your word, our Bibles. There's so many different things in here, but one is fellowship. One is gathering of the believers, corporate worship. You've commanded us to worship corporately. So Lord, I just pray that we would continue to be obedient to your word. So Lord, we would continue to seek after you. We'd continue as the stones are being thrown from all directions, as people are attacking us and the anger of this world is around us, that we would stay focused, looking into the heavens, towards the heavens, looking for you, looking upon you. And Lord, when you do convict us, your Holy Spirit convicts us, whatever that would be. Lord, we'd respond in repentance, humbly coming before you, coming before the cross in repentance, that we would not respond in anger as these men did here in this story, shaking their fist in anger at you, that we would humbly accept whatever you would speak into our lives. So Lord, I pray for strength to do this, Lord. I pray for strength to pray like Jesus, to pray like Stephen, that as those around us would attack us, they would persecute us in whichever form that would look like, that we would pray that your grace and mercy would be upon them. And leave these men in this world to you to deal with. And just know that we are here to worship you, to praise you, and thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, paying the price for our sins, giving us the privilege to be born again and born into your kingdom. So I thank you, Lord. And that's my hope. I pray, Lord, for your strength of your Holy Spirit to be upon this church and every Christian believer out there that they would stand faithfully as we endure these last days. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.